0: Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two free bets and to live your bet life. I'm here. I'm Will Gottlieb. Here as always with my mate, Mark Karanzoulis down in Australia. Uh, We are here today to talk about Bulls basketball. Can you believe that? We are actually less than a week away from a Bulls game, which I'm still wrapping my mind around. Mark, are you... uh, are you as surprised and excited as I am?
1: It's funny. Like f- through the whole off-season, I've just been like sitting here, like happy there's been no basketball. This is always the case for me. Like through August, September, I'm like, yes, no basketball. I can actually focus on other things that I like in my life. because um, I'm an all-or-nothing type personality. So when it's basketball time, it's literally my entire life is dominated by basketball. So when I get that reprieve, it's it's actually nice and refreshing. And I actually enjoyed not having basketball, but then the minute it sort of hits you that it's actually here. It's like, oh shit, this is actually awesome. The basketball is back. Forget about anything else I was doing. Let's dive back into balls basketball. And that, that's been like the feeling that I've been getting the last few days, I guess, because. Yeah, we we're now getting a chance. I think it started at Media Day. I think that's when it really started for me. Like, one, you're obviously seeing the new team. You're seeing the not that the team's necessarily new, given it. No, it's not. The it's not a team. new team. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but like, and I was gonna say you're seeing them in new threads, so that's not necessarily true either, because it's the same old uniform and it, not old uniform. It's a beautiful uniform, so they shouldn't be changing it. But nonetheless, you get my point. Like, you see the team running around in training camp, or yeah, in training camp as you're sort of seeing it in first hand person. Uh, for us fans like myself online, sort of seeing it all um, play out, like, this is when it feels or starts to get or starts to feel real, I suppose. And that's when you start to realize, oh, okay, the malaise that I was sort of going through before, where I was just focusing on other things, like it's time to focus on, uh, on Bulls basketball again. And, and that's fun and exciting. So it's actually nice that within the next few days, there's going to be a preseason game to be diving into.
0: Yeah, the the last few months for me have been really strange because it's the first time in my life where I've been fortunate enough to like cover the Bulls full time. Yeah. So it's not like I've had a, a nine to five to do and worry about all throughout the day. You know, the last couple of months where there hasn't been a ton of Bulls news. And uh, I mean, with the traveling and all of that, it's just been kind of a long stretch here for me, but it's really nice to start to settle into a routine a bit. And going to practice the last few days and just having like a full season to be on the beat and and build that continuity with the beat reporters and with the coaches and all of that. Uh, We love continuity and so I'm very excited about that. But I'm also very excited about Tuesday, uh, October 4th, when the Bulls will be playing against the Pelicans of New Orleans. Um, So we kind of wanted to spend some time today prefacing that game and I think just thinking about sort of the the Bulls' offensive structure um, and defensive structure sort of on a macro level and then zooming into, you know, how it will look in games in general and then specifically with this Pelicans game. So we're going to start just kind of talking through some of the big picture stuff that, you know, is pertains to the Bulls' offense and defense. And I think the big thing that, for me at least, has been the question here is like can you teach an old dog new tricks um kind of the cliche but like clearly this team is staying as it was from last year right like they have made almost no roster addition subtractions obviously Goran Dragic um potential starting point guard uh you have Andre Drummond who is uh you know an upgrade at backup center but we're talking here about guys that are not going to be playing heavy starters minutes who are not going to be making a huge impact, you know, come playoff time. So when I say an an old dog, new tricks, you know, you look at this team and it's the same, but it's also very flawed. And we know what the flaws are. Uh, We know where they suffered last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. Is there something that you can do? And specifically like, does team chemistry help you? sort of solve some of those problems are you able to now institute new offensive philosophies new defensive tendencies into the game plan here to help solve some of those issues even though all the players and the roster you know one through whatever is all the same um i guess that's been my big question so far and mark i'm not sure you know if you're you're also really questioning that as well or you know if you feel any any more confidence based on some of the things that you've heard from media day and training camp so far?
1: Well, I I guess for me, like the comment that stands out is, is Pat's comment around the fact that the offense may be changing, that there may be, uh, it may be more egalitarian in nature in sense of like different dudes getting, uh, you know, opportunities to, to make plays in different areas of the court that maybe they didn't have a chance to do last time or last season. Um, I don't know. He, uh, his comments were very broad, though, and, and didn't really go into a lot of detail. So I guess we're speculating or maybe trying to read into exactly what he meant by that comment.
0: We are absolutely uh, trying to read into it. That's what we're doing yeah. here.
1: Which is problematic in itself, because one, it's, it doesn't give us much detail. So we we could be taking this a million different ways than maybe what Bill is intending. So that's an issue in itself. But then maybe sort of alluding to what you were starting to get toward, like can you teach an old dog new tricks uh, specifically Demar and Levine? And, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past about the, I think that ultimately the numbers of the team in terms of, you know, three point, uh, three point attempt rate or number of shots they taken from the free throw line, fast break points, mid range buckets, all those sorts of things. Like ultimately that comes back to the characteristics of the personnel that you have on the roster. And with that in mind, so, so does the, your play style. And I guess, at this time of year, teams always say these types of things. Or yeah, we're going to play with more pace, or we're going to shoot more threes, or we're going to get more more um, you know, more people involved on ball, or maybe there'll be different actions, or this or that. We'll, we'll change up the defensive scheme. Like th- this is always the time of year where teams reference changes, but it always kind of feels like teams slip back to their natural tendencies, which is where I'm expecting things to go. Like I'll be pleasantly surprised if things do holistically change in terms of style both on offense and defense but ultimately like I just look at DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine like these dudes are going to be taking up 40 40%, percent uh, 40% of your your field goal attempts at minimum like both of those guys are getting 20 shots a game uh, that's 40 shots if you have like 85 90 shots a game something like that like so much of the offense is funneling through those guys are we now expecting Demar and Zach not to live in the mid-range or are we expecting them to share the ball more or get other guys involved? Like, those are the sorts of things I'm sort of questioning. Like, it's nice to say this and it's it's all very good uh, in theory, but ultimately, like, I just default to things slipping back to the way things were last season, which that and that, and that isn't necessarily a bad or wrong thing, to, to be honest with you. Like, if that isn't the natural tendency of the team, then so be it. But I don't know. I, I just question or... I'm just uh, skeptical, I guess, about any sweeping changes if they'll actually come to fruition.
0: Yeah, I'm not expecting any major changes, but what I am expecting and and really hoping for, to be honest with you, is sort of a departure from the way that they played in the second half, and you know, trying to go back and find some of that magic that they had in the first half of the season. And you may be asking, like, well, how do they do that without Lonzo? You know, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying that they can't. Um, or or that they they can necessarily do that at at the same level, but um, yeah, I think that's kind of the idea is like having a little bit more spontaneity in the offense, and that's something that Billy Donovan has addressed a couple of times here in training camp is just like referencing that he wants more randomness in the offense, and to me, that is like you know off makes and misses. What he's saying is like sixty percent of the games, sixty percent of the game is played on makes and misses. Right? There's dead balls. There's after free throws, there's after timeouts, things like that. But like for the most part, the game is played on makes and misses. And you have to have sort of an awareness and the ability to understand your position, understand when you have the opportunity, and then take advantage of it. And I think this really is sort of an example of where Patrick needs to improve and get better. And it sounds like that's exactly what he's worked on. But um I think for for Zach and Damar and Kobe and and all these guys really, I mean, like they need to take advantage of opportunities. And I think in the second half of last year, specifically, when everybody's three-point shot went to shit, and when the only thing that possibly worked for you was DeMar, you know, getting the ball at the elbow and making something happen. I just don't think you can live that way for an entire season. And it seems like the Bulls are pretty aware of that. And so what I'm hoping for is a little bit more motion, a little bit more more activity. Io has mentioned that he wants to get out in transition more, and that you know part of the reason why he's put so much work into his body is because he wants to be able to play faster in transition without getting tired. Um, I do think that they're going to try to find some of that magic. I'm not sure, you know, to what extent. Uh, maybe Dragic helps you there, just like wishful thinking. I mean, it seems like he might have a role. Um, i do think that like ultimately the used the usage percentages will kind of shake out the way that they were last year but um hopefully you know there are some easier looks in there in the middle that sort of aren't necessarily accounted for in that in that number
1: well i, I guess i am skeptical then like if the usage percentages is grayed out somewhat similar then i i do question how much things can change but like even when things were very DeMar-centric last season, and, and I agree with you, like if if, if the Bulls are going to be very DeMar-centric, DeMar's averaging, you know, 27, 28 points per game, whilst that's probably really good for DeMar, I don't know if that's the, the best outcome for the Bulls. Um, and if to, if if they are relying on DeMar to carry all of that load going into his age 33 season, like DeMar can talk about, you know, uh, you know father time and, and why do people talk about age and all this sort of stuff and, and be annoyed by that sort of, Connotation, but like the fact remains, like you shouldn't be asking a dude in year fourteen, year fourteen, to be carrying such a load. But if that's where things are naturally going, then the Bulls have a problem. But I guess more generally, like I still think last season when they were DeMar Century, they were creating play advantages for other guys to do stuff. But because you're surrounding DeMar and Zach with a lot of low usage guys who don't necessarily have a lot of ability to be triple threats to make a quick constant read, then. That play advantage that's being created, it disappears pretty instantly if you don't make that in quick and important read. So, like, it's all well and good to say, um, you know, we're going to be like, take for example, and again, we're reading into Pat's comments. We we don't know exactly what's going to be the stylistic a stylistic shift, but you mentioned like a more motion based offense or a type of offense where the ball is swinging more from side to side. Maybe there's more pick and roll action going on than the initial pick and roll action and it ending with a Demar jumper. Like, if, if there's more movement to the offense, then ultimately at some point, if it's not Demar or Levine, then one of the other three guys needs to be, uh, you know, putting a foot forward in terms of making an affirmative play. Like, so, cool. All right. Let's, if we're not going to really rely as heavily on Demar or Levine to finish plays or set up plays, then that means someone like Pat or Io needs to be uh, grabbing that ball. And and when those opportunities do arise, actually doing something with it. But like a motion offense dies pretty quickly if the ball swings and then someone records uh, scratches in the corner and then whatever, you know, advantage has been created just dissipates in like the space of half a second. So it's all well and good to say in theory, it's something I need to see before I can believe because I think we did like, even going back to the playoffs, like, DeMar had so many potential assists in that against the Bucks. Now, obviously, the Bucks were leaving the Bulls dead open, but because the Bulls couldn't shoot and because they didn't really have anyone else on the court that could take advantage of space creation, they did nothing with it. Like, so how does that change this season, I guess? That's the interesting uh, aspect to it. And given the fact that the roster hasn't changed, that's why I'm, I'm a bit dubious, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's, you know that's kind of exactly the point that I think Billy has been trying to make with regards to Patrick and his um, ability to step up. Like Mm -hmm. that's exactly what he needs to do in order to maximize that. Right. Is Mm -hmm. like to take advantage of those opportunities. I think Kobe needs to do the same thing. I think Io needs to do the same thing. You know, hopefully we see uh, a shooting shooting from Javante. That's more like the first half last year than the second. Um, you know, these are all things that that need to go right for the Bulls, right? Like you can't just you can't really roll the ball out there and say, like, let's go do the same thing we did last year um, because we saw what can happen when that goes wrong. Right. And that's the second half of the season. But I do think, you know, having having a summer to work on those things and understand, you know, for Patrick, especially like, yeah, well, maybe this isn't like the most natural position for me to just like stand in the, the corner and wait for catch and shoot threes or attack closeouts or, you know, cut baseline. But like, at least now I know that that's what is expected of me, you know? And uh, for him to come into a season, understanding that and trying to maximize that role, um, I think same is true for Io. I think that there is something to be said there about just understanding where they need to to work on those things. That's, that's another thing Billy kind of mentioned in practice today too, was like somebody asked, what he had hoped Kobe was working on over the summer. And his response was like, I'm sure he was like working on all the the stuff that you want him to be working on. Right. Like the ball handling, the shooting, the off the dribble stuff, defense, all that stuff. But like at a certain point, that may not be what the team asks of him or needs from him. And I think that that has probably been pretty well communicated at this point to the players of like not only what your role is going to be, but how you can best maximize it. And mm. there's still going to be growing pains, I think, with Patrick, especially, but uh I think there is something to be said for like understanding that going into the season. And I think that's kind of the point that you've been trying to make all this time with Lonzo is like they're in a position now where they have a full training camp going into this season where they are prepared to play without Lonzo and they're practicing to play without Lonzo and they're game planning to play without Lonzo. And so now you go out and do that. You go out and understand your role within that and you try to go execute it. And it's a make or miss league to your point at the end of the day, but knowing your role and, and just it's, it's cliche, but like knowing your role and executing your role is like the first step there.
1: Yeah. and Look, if they try to replicate what they did with Fonzo, they're going to fail. Like, there's there's no replicating that necessarily, or at least completely in one player. Like, you can't insert player A, B, C, whoever it is, and expect to just take off like they did with Lonzo because Lonzo is a, a very unique player. That's what makes him interesting as a player to have on a team and why every team would want to play like Lonzo. So if you're going to try to play the way you did with Lonzo without him, you're probably going to fail. So it's it then becomes a situation of, all right, we don't necessarily have to do exactly what we did with Lonzo but what can we do differently now that we've got this opportunity? And, and that's how we should be viewing it. Like, yes, it sucks that Lonzo isn't here. Um, he's obviously a very good player, someone we'd rather have than not. But it creates an opportunity for others. It creates an opportunity to maybe explore a different play style that may work just as well. Like, we don't know that it won't work, for example. Like, if you were to insert Io into the starting role or maybe Pat does get more on-ball reps now because there's less Lonzo and, and, he, ha- and he can sort of sustain that more next to Zach and DeMar, whether it's in starting lineups or closing lineups, then maybe you'll found a, styl- a stylistic play with Pat in that instance that you wouldn't have otherwise found had Lonzo been there, I guess. So, so that's certainly true. Um, But not also like just coming back to Pat and just this whole stylistic change and uh, maybe more motion-based offenses or Pat getting more involved in different areas of the floor. Like, again, like I I will see it when I believe it, like I will be very surprised if he's getting a lot, maybe not a lot of opportunities, but you know, even a few opportunities to create as the, the pick and roll initiator But even if that doesn't happen, I don't think that's like really a problem because I still think he could be damn good playing off ball. And like I said before, like in a supercharged Javante role and, you know, not to tweet my my own horn rather than refer to tweets that I had earlier in the week. But like if we think back to Pat and the game he had against the, the Clippers, I think in March of 22, like he was awesome off ball in that game where he wasn't hesitant. The ball swung to him. He made a a quick and decisive play straight away and took advantage of the creation that, you know, a Demar or Caruso or whoever had created for him, whether it's in spot-up opportunities, whether it was um, cutting baseline. So, like, I still think there's a lot of opportunities within the offense for things to still be very Demar and Levine-centric, but... If that is the case, then other dudes need to work off ball and get into spaces and to you know use those spaces that Demar and Levine create, rather than they're just sort of standing around and hoping the ball swings to them. I think I think you can still be a you know a Demar or Levine ISO heavy team and still you know uh, I guess you know still still get great outcomes for guys like Pat Alia even Vuce Caruso. Like these guys want to move the ball, they want to pass the ball to guys that are moving baseline or cutting through. It's the, easier through for the lane. them when they're doing that of course like if, if Vuc catches the ball as the roll man and you know has his back to the basket turns he's doubled if he's double teamed or DeMar's double teamed and someone's come up uh, across from the corner onto Vucevic you got the guy who's in the corner sort of open like yeah Vuc can spot or, or kick that out to the spot up um guy in the corner but like if that guy in the corner just cuts baseline Vuc is gonna find that dude every single time because he's one of the best passing centers in the NBA and like he and Javante had a real nice connection so like why can't Pat do that like These things exist with or without Lonzo, whether it's a DeMar, uh, heavy offense or not, like that these things still need to exist regardless. And I think the Bulls just need to rely on that a little bit more.
0: I 100% agree with you. I think it's about how do you incorporate that into sort of the confines of the system? They're not reinventing the wheel here. Like when you have DeMar on your team, you're going to have to play you know, within some percent of standard deviation of what that is, right? Like you can yeah. only do so many things with Damar because he's, he's as he's good limited. as he is, he's limited. He's not, you know, somebody who can stand in the corner and, and shoot threes or, you know, run off screens like Steph Curry. Like that's just not in his game. So mm-hmm. you maximize that. And I think a lot of that is on Patrick and Io and Kobe and Javante and Derek Jones and all these guys who need to sort of, maximize their own role to optimize what DeMar can do. Um, before we move on here to talk about some of the point guard stuff, I just wanted to bring up that I actually asked Billy about, you know, whether the bulls would be putting the ball in Patrick's hands to run pick and roll basically. Um, and he said sort of what we've just been talking about, you know, like um, that he needs to, that they're not necessarily going to like feature him a certain amount of times per game like that's not really how they look at it um mm-hmm. but like the and sort of like the game dictates how you make those reads right and I think yeah. that speaks to the fact that they want a little bit more read and react that they the ball might be moving a little bit more but it's not like they're you know standing on the sideline calling all right Patrick spread pick and roll here you go um yeah, yeah. I think they they believe in his ability to do that um you know he said he, he has that skill set um and without question that would be something that we would look to do but it's not going to be in a situation where he's you know calling plays for him necessarily on the sideline or setting up you know point guard possessions for him basically but and it's a good transition into uh into the point guard conversation but first i want to tell you about our friends at greenridge farms greenridge farms is a local chicago meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option They make all natural deli meat sausages and they have these very famous meat sticks, which our boy Matt Peck loves and eats all the time. Uh, You can bring them to tailgates, happy hour, put them in school lunches, whatever it is. They are delicious and packed with 16 grams of protein per stick. Great for post workouts um, and anything like that. Uh, They come in chicken, black forest beef and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. Um, they're really good. You should give them a try. And right now, if you order some at greenishfarms.com, uh, if you order any three meat products and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the promo code CHGO at checkout. So use promo code CHGO. When you check out at greenishfarms.com, you can get three free meat stick products when you make an order. So definitely don't want to miss on that offer.
1: No, most certainly not, and well, I, th- I think you know listeners of this podcast also certainly won't want to miss out on what our game time have on offer for them. So, for those that aren't aware, game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concert, and shows. Uh, I don't know if there's any uh, Bears fans in here, what, but where where, uh, well, where are the Bears playing? They're playing in New York or in Chicago this weekend. I should know this I, as a big Bears fan. I, I have no idea. idea. Well, wherever it is, irrespective of the location. (laughs) They are playing the game somewhere, I'm assuming on a Sunday. So if you're intrigued by that notion and want to go watch... They're in New York. All right. Well, if you want to head over to New York, if you're in New York, or if you're in Chicago and want to get to New York, if you need some last-minute tickets, jump on the Game Time app. And and can score yourself some last minute some last minute tickets. And the fantastic thing about Game Time app, uh, the Game Time app rather, is not only can you get you know amazing tickets to sporting events like Bears Giants that's actually happening this Sunday in New York, or you know concerts or baseball games or you know just general shows more 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 generally, I guess. Like Game Time is the app that you should be using to uh, to get your hands up to on those tickets. And you, William, you. People listening can save up to sixty percent off when they do so. What an amazing offer that is! Um, so, if you want yourself, uh, what you want to get your hands on last minute tickets, Game Time is the app to use. Uh, if you want to do that, if you want to support CHDO, if you love CHDO, then you're going to love Game Time. I can assure you of that. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Use that. Wherever you're listening to whether this is on YouTube whether you're on um, you know Apple Spotify the link to the description or the link to the game time rather will be in the description of this episode of the podcast you can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score yourself the best seats to all your favorite events like the bull uh, like, like bears giants or even even bulls like people can go to bulls games now they can jump onto the game time app and screw the Bears. Why would you want to go to a Bears game? Go to a Bulls game. Use use game time to go to a Bulls game. Bulls, Pelicans. You got Bulls, Toronto, Bulls, Nuggets, Bulls, Milwaukee. All these preseason games are coming out. Yeah, use use the game time app, people.
0: And when you do, you can bring your meat sticks because Green Ridge Farms. Um, <laughs> but as we transition here into sort of more basketball related conversation, and specifically, I think as we kind of talk about. Um, you know, operating the offense, running the offense. That's clear, clearly the job of the point guard. And, you know, a lot has been made so far of who will be the starter. Uh, Billy has not really formally announced anyone. He's looking more into like combinations, like lineup combinations and rotations and things like that than necessarily who's out there to start. Um, I'm starting to think that Dragic might be the guy, which you know, you can feel oh any boy. any kind of way about, but oh uh, certainly, certainly, the defense will suffer. But like, I think, you know, like I said, we can we can sort of like have a discussion about who we think it should be. But like, what do you think should they be looking for in that rotation, especially with the starters? Like, um, less about like who specifically, and more about like what kind of skill set maximizes that position. Sort of based on what we're talking about here with regards to you know, a more flowy, emotion-y offense, like finding opportunities within, you know, what the the confines of what the Bulls are trying to do, given that, you know, most of the possessions will run through to Marzak and Booch.
1: Well, you said not to mention a specific person, but like, I think it goes hand in hand because Dragic is exactly the type of person who I wouldn't want starting at point guard, <laughs> not because he's gone on Dragic, but because of his skill set and just like how that fits with, the starting guys. And as you noted, like if, if things are still going to run through Demar and Zach, then I don't think it makes sense to have a, a point guard starting next to them who one isn't very good defensively is old, not the greatest of three point shooters. And he's probably best when he has ball in hand and operating in pick and roll as the lead guard. So in that sense, like to me, like Dragic makes perfect sense as the backup point guard, with, you know, Io next to him or, you know, those two effectively running tandem point guard, even with Kobe, to be honest with you. Like, if you want to talk about a motion-based or uh, an offense that has multiple guys creating, like the second unit is a really good example where that makes sense for me. Like, you could have possessions where Goran, uh, Io, and Kobe are all having a shot at that. But, um, yeah, for me, like, stylistically, well, we've talked about the, the macro side of things in terms of how the Bulls should be trying to maybe shift things. But in terms of, if we want to narrow that down to a, a position, specifically point guard here, like I think you need a de- defense-oriented oriented guard, someone who doesn't need the ball in hand and someone who can play off your your key lead guys in that starting unit or more maybe more importantly, the closing unit. So that's why I just don't understand how Goran Dragic could be an option. You floated the idea there, William, and it raised my eyebrows somewhat. And I'm wondering, like, is this you speculating? Is this you... Hearing something or seeing something at, at practice? Like has he been um training or uh, performing or you know, running more sets with with the starters? Like well, what is giving you that inclination? Can you tell us? Or are you just merely speculating based on yeah, you know, I don't know, what maybe that you can tell us?
0: Uh this is my preference. I really want to see Dragic out there with starting unit and really ah, you know I did making the that. That. Well, I'm joking, so... Okay, well, that
1: that makes more sense. (laughs)
0: Uh, I mean, that would just be, like, truly one of the worst defensive lineups that would play big minutes in the NBA. I mean, not one-plus defender to be had. You can say what you want about Patrick Williams. I don't think he's there yet. Um, And I just think you start bleeding points from the tip. I think that's just, like, a really... I mean, unless... Zach just becomes like a lockdown perimeter defender and Vooch like has a Renaissance and Patrick Williams turns into Kawhi. Like, I think that's kind of the, the circumstance that would be necessary for that to happen. I do think Dragic will play and, and have a role, but I, I say that mostly because that's kind of the first, like when Billy was asked about it immediate day, who's going to be the starting point guard. He like spoke, he first mentioned Dragic spoke about him for like two or three minutes and then like mentioned IO and like mentioned Caruso. So I think that's just kind of like the way that he's leaning right now. Um, Pure speculation, but that's kind of my opinion about it. Uh, I still feel the same way as I did last time we talked about it, which is like, let's not overthink things. Like you play the best player, you play the guy that can defend the best to help offset some of the, the struggles that you have uh, in the rest of that lineup. You, still have somebody who can like bring the ball up the court and just like get it to Demar where he likes to operate. I think it's kind of a, a no brainer that you would want Caruso in there. Um, I do worry a little bit about his minutes and just like not overburdening him, um, you know, playing just too much and being like the entire defense without Lonzo in there. So I don't want to like overdo it with him, but I think certainly he'll be closing games. Uh, that's, Clearly, the best lineup out there, and so I think by using that same logic, you'd want to get out to as good a start in the game as you can, um, and then maybe you bring in Io off the bench and let him play either alongside Demar and Caruso like he did last year, or you know some combination. Um, but I think that really is like the the best and really only real option there for point guard, just because I think that the defense is is a pretty sort of big question mark and something that I think uh, could somehow be worse than last year, or at least look more like the second half of last year. Whereas I think the offense has a little bit more scope to improve. We
1: well, see, I think they can be an average defense. If you have Caruso spearheading the you know starting and closing lineups, I think Pat isn't a great defender, but he, I think he can be a serviceable defender in year three. And then so long as Pat and, and Caruso are, you know, able to use, well, in Caruso's instance, his IQ and, and in Pat, maybe he's just pure raw athleticism and the fact that he is a really good weak side help defender or maybe less so on ball. Like he he's, he's, he's good as a, an off ball defender. Like if you compare those dudes with Vooch and just allow Vooch and DeMar and Levine like at that extra split second to, to make a rotation or to not get lost, then I think you can build at least like the 15th, 16th, 17th best defense in the NBA. And that's fine so long as your offense is like top 10, 12, whatever it might be. Like you that's a reasonable outcome. So I think that's fine with me. Like you have to have Caruso in for that reason. But if you go dragic and like that's where Billy's thinking with this, then I don't know, that's a test of ideals for me because I'm very much against the idea of anyone like Dragic starting next to Damar and Levine and And Vooch, to be honest with you like that just is extremely problematic. And why that is a test of ideals for me is I'm maybe Billy Donovan's biggest fan amongst Bulls fans. I love the man. I wish he was my father. But, like, that will make me question things if if he goes dragage. So I guess my question, one, something I noted down here, is, like, should the Bulls be using this this preseason campaign as a bit of an audition to sort of run with different looks at point guard to, to get a sense and feel of how things should or shouldn't be rather than just assuming – whether it's Caruso, whether it's Dragic, whether it's Aya, just going with that dude just straight from the jump and carrying it over from all four preseason games and into the regular season? Like, Should they be affirmative and say, yes, this is our dude. This is who we're taking into preseason. He's our starting point guard. He's going to start into the regular season and be solid in that? Or should they do it like they've done in years past with like Kobe and Sadoransky, whereby they use preseason and and training camp as a bit of a, a testing ground to sort of give these all three or four of these guys a chance to sort of win that role. Like what is more preferential in that? Cause I, I think there is pros and cons to both approach.
0: I want to know uh, what you would do if Billy played Dragic, Drummond and Vooch all in the same lineup, what would you?
1: <laughs> that would be tough. I mean, if Billy goes to a, a Drummond and Vooch lineup, one, I don't know who the power forward is in that lineup and, I, I just don't want to think about either of those guys trying to ch- chase down a stretch four. that would be, uh, that would be tough. But then having drag out chat there as well, like at the same time, oh boy! I don't know what I would do. Maybe type what's a lot the, of angry tweets. And what's the posts? word I'm looking for
0: when you like, when you legally get separated from your parents because they're emancipation. Is that it? Emancipation. Yeah. You're going to get emancipated if that happens. <laughs> um, would have been a better joke if I knew the word. Uh, I think it's not really, the the more we talk about it, I kind of think that it's not really like going to be a role that is won by anyone. Like I think it might even just be like a game to game thing where we see like, I mean, we could talk about it through the lens of some of these preseason games here, like against the Pelicans, you know, CJ McCollum is going to be their starting point guard, right? They're playing a lineup. That's like McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas, right? So like what point guard in that lineup makes sense for the Bulls to play? Uh, You know, somebody who can really defend the point of attack. They've obviously got three guys in there that can be sort of the primary ball handler with McCollum, Zion, and Brandon Ingram. Uh, What you really need there is like defensive versatility and point of attack. Um, And I think that's an example where you know, Caruso probably makes some sense. You look at the second game uh, and that's against the Nuggets, I believe. Um, you know, it's another team where like, obviously they they run a ton of their offense through Jokic, through the post and, you know, even just like running high pick and rolls for him because he's that freaking good. But they also have Jamal Murray. Um, you know, I think that's a situation where you probably don't want to have like Dragic in there guarding Jamal Murray for large stretches of the game. I think Io is is somebody that works there, but... I just think it does become pretty complicated if if you're looking at Dragic. So I think, you know, and same thing for, with Toronto. They got Fred Van Vliet. same thing with Milwaukee, you know, Drew Holiday. Um, I think you, at some point, you don't really want to like play based on how other teams are playing. Like you want to enforce your style of play and make the other team adjust to you. But um, just like talking through this, I, if the, if there's somebody that's going to win it, I think it's probably Caruso. But I also could see this being a situation where like, there's not really a winner here. It's just kind of situational. And I think we will see that, you know, in preseason for sure, just like flipping around these lineups and trying to find something that works. We saw that last year with Javante, like all of a sudden becoming this amazing, you know, role-playing option to go alongside some of the, the core four or five guys. So I think there's, room for experimentation but um i wouldn't be surprised if like this just never really becomes like a job that's won so to speak
1: well yeah i don't maybe you're right in that instance but i i kind of hope that we do get to the point where it becomes very clear as to how this should happen or how this should play out and and whilst i said there is no way to replicate the lonzo role I think you can get 40 minute 48 minutes of great point guard defense if you can. Point guardsmanship? To, well, maybe less so the point guardsmanship, but in terms of point guardsman defense, like you can get 48 minutes of great point guard defense if you have Ayo and Caruso playing that role for that 40, 48, 40, for, uh, you know, 44, 48, whatever the number is. But like if you start druggage there, then there's no way of that happening. So. Yeah, maybe you're right in the sense that maybe it'll be a plug and play type situation, depending on game, depending on matchup, whatever, whatever it may be. But like, I don't know. Like, uh, I've been, I've been on this podcast, on Twitter, wherever, wherever I've been voicing this. Like, I've been trying to make the point that I think, you know, whilst losing Lonzo sucks, there's a ways for this Bulls team to overcome it because they have really good point guard depth. And part of the reasoning for my logic there is that. I think they just can get tremendous point guard defense out of Io and Caruso. But, like, if you start throwing different names in there and running lineups that have four, maybe five, you know, bad defenders on the court. And I think in a scenario where you're like, just like, as taking for example, for whatever reason, the Bulls need more offense in a closing lineup. And, um, you know, Billy throws out their Dragic with, uh, you know, Levine um Levine DeRozan, Vucevic and whoever the other guys, maybe it's Pat. That team ain't doing shit because it can't <laughs> defend anyone. Like, like that changes my scope and feeling about that team. So I kind of want this to be a situation where we get to the eventual point where okay, whether it's I or Caruso starting, who cares? Like ultimately I'm not really too fussed about it. My preference is Caruso, but ultimately I want Caruso cl- closing games. But if the situations where you're subbing in Kobe because you need threes, or you're subbing in Dragic because you know two minutes later you need someone in transition, or then you need to make a defensive sub. And then Caruso goes in. Then I don't think that bodes well if you're just flo- uh, throwing around the point guard rotation in that sense. So I want them to firm that up. I'm fine with them to use these these preseason games as a testing ground to to understand what the rotation should be. But if we're not entering game one of the regular season with a firm idea of who that point guard rotation is or who it comprises of, then I will be uh, somewhat concerned.
0: You don't think though, that they would like have some leeway to sort of figure that out. Cause like if they, I mean, we're talking here on Friday, there's a game on Tuesday. They've had four days of practice, five Mm. days of practice, four days of practice. Um, I think this is just going to be like an evolving thing. Maybe they like commit to somebody for a game or two or three, but like it may not work and then you have to pivot. And I think specifically with this point guard position, which again, I think it really, I don't really care about it that much because we know what's going to happen in to close games. Uh, I do think that there's probably a little bit of leeway, but again, I mean, this is not going to be like a 2011 Tibbs bench mob sort of situation where it's like five guys doing hockey line shifts. Um, These rotations are going to get mixed up throughout the game. There's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. And I think they're looking at it from two and three man lineups rather than, you know, four man lineup and trying to figure out that fifth guy. I think that matters most for the starting and closing lineup and certainly more for the closing part of it. So that's why I'm not too concerned about whoever they decide. I think it's more of like a, a narrative thing than a actual, you know, impactful on the basketball court sort of thing.
1: Yeah, well, I guess my counter to that is like yeah, fine. Use preseason to 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 mix and mash find out who that fifth guy should be. Maybe depending on who those other four guys is that then that determines who the fifth guy is, but use preseason to do that, use the next couple of weeks to do that, but the first month for the Bulls in this upcoming 22-23 season is very, very difficult. It's, you know, it's almost the opposite of last season whereby the schedule for the Bulls in the first half was a bit light on and then obviously it got really tough in that second half which was not ideal given the injuries the team had um, during the second half of last year whereas this year going into, into the new season like they're playing Miami first game, they've got back to back against the Raptors, they play the uh, the Celtics on multiple occasions, they've got the Sixers in there and I'm not sure if I mentioned the Bucks, but they've got the Bucks in there too so like they're coming up against some really good Eastern Conference teams really soon so like I don't think you can be afford to be in a position where you're sort of mixing and matching and trying to find out lineup lineup combinations or testing certain dudes in real time because as we've spoken about before, like the Bulls aren't grandfathered into a Eastern Conference playoff position. Like every game matters, particularly whilst Lonzo is out. Like you've got to take advantage. Like if for whatever reason the Celtics are kind of discombobulated because of their situation, or you know maybe it takes the Cavs a little time to gel. Or whatever the situation may be with any other team out east, like some of these teams that you're going to be playing against, like the Heat, like they've lost PJ Tucker. Like this is a good opportunity to get a win against a good team straight off the jump. Don't don't waste that opportunity to get that W, but also don't you know lose that game because you've, you're you're trying to I don't know play around with a point guard position. Let's let's try to settle something, in, settle into something heading into the regular season and. Okay, fine. If you need to mix and match here on, on occasion, okay. But I don't want them doing that, you know, game to game or trying to work that out during the first month of the season. Like I ultimately want them to have a firm position on this heading into the regular season, then testing that for a, a ten to fifteen game stretch in the season. And and at that point, if it doesn't work, okay, try something different. But if you're going into the into the season like wanting to rotate this continuously, then I I, I do think that's an issue.
0: Yeah. Fair enough, um I want to talk a little bit more about like expectations um for the preseason in general. I mean we're starting up here pretty soon and then you know more specifically about the Pelicans game that's on Tuesday, but first, Mark, will you tell the people about your friends at Foco?
1: Yes, I can okay I will I will I love my friends at Foco um for those of you who don't know who Foco are at this point like I mean what are you doing more generally but for those that aren't aware. Uh, you're already getting the best coverage in terms of sports coverage from us here at CHDO. If you want to get the best fit, if you want to be fitted out, as well as we cover your favorite sports teams, if you want to be dapping up in your favorite sports teams, whether it's in hoodies, whether you want to grab some slippers, some bobbleheads, or anything in between, FOCO has so much merch up on their website. I most certainly suggest people go check out their website. And I mentioned this last week, but like I'm trying to be more minim- minimal in my life. Lifestyle going forward, William. Uh, And I'm doing pretty good with the sleek blue sweater. I like it. (laughs) I don't know if that's necessarily um, being very minimal, but I'm just trying to get rid of possessions that I don't need. Like I'm just trying to evaluate everything on a want versus need basis. That's how I'm trying to live my life at the moment. But then when I, you know, if I'm feeling a bit cheeky, I I jump onto foco.com and then I see all these little you know, gifts, memorabilia, paraphernalia, collectibles, whatever it may be, and then all of a sudden my my world ideals start to start to crumble around me because I start ordering just a whole bunch of stuff from Foco.com. So if you like me, I don't know if you're trying to be minimal like me or if you're you know you're just having these clash of ideals like I am. But nonetheless, if that is the case or isn't, just jump on Foco.com. I guess use promo code CHDO to get ten percent off all non-pre sale items and. Don't take it from me, because you know I am a bit of a. I, I guess I, I can fall down this rabbit hole of buying a whole bunch of memorabilia, but jump on the website. Just do me that one favor, and I guarantee. I guarantee you, once you do, you will find something. Not just one thing, probably five different things that you'll want to get on there. Um, and I know, William, you're you're. You know, we're approaching Christmas soon, and I'm sure you, you're you're lining up a Christmas gift for me and sending out sending that out here from, from foco.com to Australia. So I'm sure you're going to be using promo code CHTO to get me 10% off in that instance. But for those listening in as well, like for you, for others, if you want to grab some awesome Christmas gear, foco.com friends, that's where you got to go. Uh, like I said, promo code CHTO, 10% off on all non-presale items. Love it.
0: Um, all right, so Mark, what do you... What are you looking for? What are you expecting out of the Bulls in in this preseason and specifically against the Pelicans?
1: Well, I think more more generally, like, I'm actually quite – I'm actually – like, this is a tough slate of preseason games, and and, and maybe it won't ultimately be because, like, preseason games, maybe teams are half-assing it and not necessarily putting their best foot forward. But, like, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, Toronto, and Milwaukee, like, I expect them all to be playoff teams in their respective conferences. So the fact that the Bulls are getting four really good teams from the jump, I think probably serves them well. And that, and as I mentioned before, like the fact that they're getting or have a really tough first month of the season to have that sort of start now in preseason and, st- and start ramping up against real competition, I think that's actually good for the team, and specifically for like the, against the Pelicans, like this team is kind of the antithesis of what the Bulls do, like. I'm very interested to see what Zion looks like. i um, I want to see how the Bulls guard I cannot like wait
0: Zion. to see Zion.
1: I oh, love of, Zion. Of course. Everyone does, but like more generally, like why that's very interesting to me. Like part of what you know, one of the storylines of last season was the Bulls lack of rebounding outside of Lusovic and something the Pelicans are freaking amazing at is getting on the offensive glass with Zion and, and Valentinus and just burying teams from that point of view and creating second, second chance opportunities. And that can potentially be a weakness for the Bulls, particularly if they choose to go smaller. So I want to see how, you know, Pat and and Vooch can combat against uh, a Zion and Valentinus lineup. And, you know, conversely from there, like who, how do you guard this team? Like, the Pelicans have real scope and being one of the best offenses in, in, the NBA. So if we're talking about getting, uh, getting a, or playing against a team that has that ability offensively and really seeing where things sit defensively without Lonzo, like this is a really good test straight up.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I, I love uh, looking at this Pelicans team because I, I do think they kind of mirror what a lot of what the bulls have done. Um, as far as like going out and trading for CJ McCollum and then extending him recently. I think that's like a pretty similar move to the one the bulls made for DeMar. Like it happened in a different way where like they traded for him and then they, they locked him up longer term, but like CJ is 31 right now. They just signed him to a four year deal. I mean, they'll have him under contract for four years um, and also traded a first round pick to get him that was an interesting move and it clearly worked out in the second half of the season. Um, kind of a, kind of a mirror image sort of season of what the bulls had in terms of like starting off pretty slow, making this splashy move and then really turning on the jets and putting on, you know, a great stretch run and then, and then playing the sun's really close and winning two out of that, out of that first round series. So um, they kind of did just win one more game than the bulls in in the playoffs. It's like, I think the, the the perception of that team is totally different now heading into the season. And I think in some ways that's totally fair. You want to, you, you sort of project out based on how you've most recently looked, but I think, um, you know, especially with Lonzo, and I know we haven't really talked about him at all today, but like, you know, some of this, some of this news is giving me some optimism with him and if they can just kind of like tread water until he's able to come back and and if he does, hopefully they can have that same sort of um you know end of season run that uh they kind of missed out on last year so um it is an interesting analog and then obviously like lonzo came over from the pelicans which makes it all the more interesting but i do think it's going to put like this bulls defense in like a, under the microscope right like they have such a uniquely built team as far as like i mean zion is just such a rare Player, It's so difficult to imagine building out a defense that is able to contain him, especially when you've got now great shooting and great defense around him. They obviously still play big, but they're going to be mixing and matching lineups. So it's a very interesting group that they have. Um, It's obviously going to be like a full team effort to sort of funnel Zion into Patrick and into Vooch. Um, just to try to make life difficult on them, but I, I really think it's going to spotlight the Bulls' defensive flaws. And again, another reason to just go with Crusoe there from the jump and not really, you know, mess around with it.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of have to because, like, I'm just thinking about their roster. Like, you know, Zion's problematic regardless. I'm, I'm assuming Patrick Williams will get that matchup. He's played on him before um, when they when they have matched up, which is probably only once or twice. Given they both had obviously. Pretty big injuries in their their, their young careers, so I am assuming Pat gets Zion. There is no really other option for the Bulls in that instance. But like, you have to, like, who guards Brandon Ingram? Who guards uh, you know uh, CJ McCollum? Like, that's a really interesting situation. So, I mean, one of tomorrow Zach is going to have to guard Brandon Ingram. I am assuming because you will want to put Caruso on CJ McCollum because I, I don't, I don't think you know a Dragovich for example could stay with a CJ McCollum maybe in that instance as well one of uh, you know whoever's not guarding uh, Brandon Ingram maybe they grab uh, Herb Jones but like yeah I could actually see I could
0: actually see Zach starting on CJ and Caruso on Ingram yeah Um, just because like we've seen Caruso be really effective against some bigger guys I don't think Ingram will have quite as much like on ball duty as he did last year certainly during the playoffs just because zion's gonna have the ball a ton and you know cj will split opportunities but like as we know zach has always been a little bit better defending at the point of attack and certainly against guys where he has a size advantage so i could see them sort of turning zach into that initial you know point of attack defender um and let them kind of like chill out and not really worry about things as much on herb jones obviously like Herb is really good. And I think from what I hear, they actually kind of want to put the ball in his hands a little bit more. So maybe that will be more of a lift, but like if they've got a three and D guy that DeMar can sort of camp out on, I think that makes the most sense. And then obviously Vooch will be matched up with Valanchunas. So um that's just kind of a thought that I had, but um it does, it's an, again, not a, a one-on-one sort of effort, like especially with the team that has so many, threats on the ball it's it's very difficult to sort of plan that way where it's just going to be like one-on-one all night they're gonna have to like do some like corralling to try to you know force jump shots or uh keep zion out of the paint because like he's just a wrecking ball he just gets in there and it collapses everything and if you send too much help then they've got some guys that can shoot their way out of it
1: well, what's going to be really intriguing, like, is how they specifically guard lineups. Like, are the balls going to switch in any lineups? Like, the because the Pelicans are all huge and they all can do stuff on ball. Most of them, maybe, maybe not Herb Jones, but maybe he does have that scope in you too. But like, for example, if you're running a a McCollum Zion pick and roll or or an, a, an Ingram Zion pick and roll, like, are we switching that? Like, is Pat going off Zion in that instance? Like. Uh, you know, if Caruso is guarding Ingram, does he then switch on to Zion? Or and is that like problematic from Caruso potentially picking up fouls in that instance? Or you know, are you switching pick and roll when when CJ is on ball? Um, they they create a lot of problems in that sense. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how the Bulls just guard them. You know, we it's, it's we can we can assign one on one matchups, but ultimately they're not going to be in one one on one matchups all the time whether that's because of pick and roll action and having that situation where you may be having to to force a switch. But like I said before, like the Pelicans are an amazing offensive rebounding team. So, so much of what the Bulls need to do defensively in this game is almost on second possessions as well. So like, how are you scrambling back to your assignment or or maybe you're not necessarily in place to scramble back to your direct uh, assignment. So who are you picking up and who is communicating out there that if for whatever reason you're being cross-matched on an offensive rebound, like, then how are you getting back out to another player? And does that create problems? So uh, this Pelicans team, you know, a lot of people are in on them for obvious reasons, but, um, I'll, you know, Cat Meen is one of them as well. Like they're, 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 they've got something cooking over there in New Orleans. Um, and this is, like I said, this is a really good test for the Bulls. Like the Pelicans would be one of the better teams in the East, assuming they were in the East. So the fact that the Bulls, who are effectively the same team coming over beyond the, you know the absence of lonzo this is a really good chance for them to for us to get a bit of a test straight away as to seeing what continuity means seeing where the bulls maybe can fare up against a team that has you know really high scope in terms of being a really good team so i'm really looking forward to this one on all you know just more macro generally like what it may mean for the team more uh you know going forward into the regular season but then like Drilling down to individual specific matchups or the micro elements of the game, like it's it's really intriguing. And I hope I know it's preseason game one, so these teams probably won't go hard. They won't necessarily put you know their starters out there for many minutes. But those minutes that we do get to see the Bulls starters versus you know the Pelicans starters, it's, it's going to be super intriguing.
0: Yeah, and I you know I could kind of see it going either way in terms of like well it's preseason, so the Bulls didn't look good, whatever it's only preseason, or you know hey, they look great. It's preseason, but it's only preseason. But like last year, this Bulls team came out in their preseason games and just whopped everyone. I mean, they looked so good. And I think that is indicative of how they came out. And so I think these games are really important. Maybe not the final score, but like the meaningful minutes where starters and and core rotation pieces are playing against one another, I think is really valuable. And, you know, there aren't too many. I feel like there aren't too many situations where, you know, we're talking about a team that is very similar to last year, but we have both these huge macro and micro questions about them that remain to be answered. So I'm also super excited to uh, to sort of see how they look off the bat. I think they're going to probably have a little bit more, you know, enthusiasm at the very least going into the season. Like they know how they ended the year last year. They know what happened in the playoffs. They've all been sitting on that for the past couple months, same as you and me. And, uh, I think they're, they're like a little bit more aware of the fact that they they're better than that. And, um, I think they just sunk and sunk and sunk and couldn't get themselves out of it. And hopefully they, they look at that now and think of it as a learning experience because, um, you know, this team is not going to be like competing for a championship, but they're certainly better than they were at the end of last year. And I think if they are able to Fine tune some things and make a few alterations to the way that they um, create offense. While it's not like the last eight seconds of the shot clock, and Demar's got the ball at the elbow, uh, I think they can be a little bit better. We'll see how much better, but uh, yeah, these these first couple of preseason games are definitely going to be an indicator. I will be watching. I will be at the games, Mark. I'm sure you'll be watching late into the evening or early into the morning, whatever it is, your time. Um, But I think we'll call it there unless you've got anything else you want to add.
1: No, look, the only point I wanted to make is that again, like that's why I like the fact that they're playing really hard teams in preseason. And you mentioned the box, like that is the last preseason game. The last preseason game is generally the one that feels more like a regular season game of any of these games. So it'll be a good test early on for the Bulls to see where they sit. Like you, you make a good point. Like they didn't show have a good showing against the Bucks. It's a preseason game. Sure. But they get an opportunity pretty early on in this new season to see where they are at uh, against like a real title contender, one that, you know, made them look foolish. So I, I'm very interested to see how the next, you know, couple of weeks unfold.
0: And then they kick things off against the heat on, uh, on their opening night. So, uh, I mean, just the, the quality of teams in the Eastern conference this year, and really even just like the Western conference, the full league is just so stacked. There are a handful of teams that are really going for the one sweep sweepstakes. But for the most part, like the, the way that the play in tournament works now, teams are going for it. And there aren't any really easy, like mark that down as a W kind of games. So I'm very curious to see how they look. Um, and we will have two precinct games to talk about next time we speak, Mark. So, Looking forward to that. Um, and we will talk to you then for Mark. I am Will. You can follow Mark at MK Hoops. I'm at Womkotlieb. Check us out on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting through these games, tweeting our feelings out. And uh, yeah, seeing see if we can get through it. But uh, Mark, it's it's been great as always. And I will speak to you soon.